And now the good news. I'll tell you, it's not an awesome way to end a week on the good news. Well, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm so delighted that you're here. I'm Barbara Jean, and I am your host for this evening's good news program. And let's get right to it. And I'm so grateful to the Good News Network for providing such fascinating material. It really is wonderful. Well, let's start with the epic floating science fiction museum. Wow. So this incredible seven-pointed spaceship seems to be touching down on a lake in Chengdu for the 81st World Sci-Fi Convention convention, but in reality, it's a new museum designed especially for that event and will continue into the future for many tech and pop culture events. Well, this uh, this thing is incredible. Watch the pictures. You're going to be in awe of this. So it's a far cry from your flat rectangular convention center. And being that Chengdu is home to one of the most published science fiction magazines in history, it's truly the right place. Just under 60,000 square meters. Now you got to translate that into... Well, you say 60,000 square yards, that might help anyone in the U.S., and three times the size of the Sydney Opera House. It's pretty big. So this is the masterstroke from Zaha Hadid Architects out of London and features an integrated exterior envelope that weaves together interior galleries and outdoor paths, just as the building uh, integrates land with the water of Jingrong Lake. It is a spectacular place. From every angle, it always looks different. It always looks unusual or unexpected. Incredibly, this stick structure went from brainstorming to ribbon cutting in just 12 months. Whoa, that's pretty fast. And it was so that they could host Worldcon, also known as the World Sci-Fi Convention. So... It's pretty exciting. It is a spectacular, spectacular place. And the uh, senior organizer for this year's Worldcon, Dave uh, McCarty, said that the museum is the best facility by far that Worldcon has ever been hosted in. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no kidding, eh? It is truly, truly remarkable. A work of art. Wow. Would love to go see that. Okay, well, moving right along here, you know, it's a great thing to keep our our houses healthy. And, you know, plants are very helpful. Well, a company in France has developed genetically enhanced houseplants that remove 30 times more indoor air pollutants than your normal ficus. That's pretty good, eh? So where do these toxins come from? Are these air pollutants? Well, paint treated wood, household cleaners, insulation, unseen mold. There's a ton of stuff that we're breathing all the time that could be affecting our health and causing irritation to our bodies and inflammation and all kinds of stuff. So the best way to tackle this health problem is by keeping good outdoor airflow into living spaces. But, you know, in places, <laughs> some of the places in the world be a little chilly to try and do that in the winter. And in fact, it might even be too hot to do it in the summer. 
So houseplants can remove these pollutants from the air. And so the company Neoplants decided to make simple alterations to these species genetic makeup to supercharge supercharge their cleaning ability. In particular, houseplants' natural ability to absorb pollutants like formaldehyde relies on them storing them as toxins to be excreted later. French scientists and Neoplants co-founders Lionel Mora and Patrick Torbay engineered a houseplant to convert them instead to plant matter. They also took aim at the natural microbiome of houseplants to enhance their ability to absorb and process VOCs as well. The company's first offering, the Neo P1, is a devil's ivy plant that sits on a custom-designed tail stand, tall stand, excuse me, that both maximizes its air cleaning properties and allows it to be watered far less often. And imagine one plant instead of 30 or 40 plants, much easier to look after. (laughs) So the founders pointed out in an interview done with Ford last year, once they settled on the species and fixed the genetic uh, phenotype, the next part of the process was just raising the plants. The same activity done in every nursery and florist in every town in Europe. So it is thought that delivery could happen as early as August of 2024. Well, something to look forward to, some new plants to add to my uh, wonderful number of plants that I have. (laughs) All right. Well, here's a very sweet little story about a little birdie who moved to the perfect location. You know what realtors say? Location, location, location. Well, endemic to New Zealand, the sweet little bird or New Zealand dotterel, and thought endangered, it has found a unique sanctuary where it can nest and feed in relative peace. Relative because it comes with a significant amount of noise pollution. It's the Auckland Airport. And four pairs of dotterel have been recorded in the green areas alongside the outer runways this year. Even though anthropic elements are by and large the largest driver of species decline around the world, what can be an impediment to one species can be a sanctuary to another. And in the case of the Auckland Airport, wildlife manager Lucy Hawley said the high fences keep out the birds' invasive predators. This is very attractive to nesting dotterels and our airfields become a real sanctuary for them. These tiny little birds take absolutely no notice of the giant planes moving all around them and have no issues setting up home right beside the taxiways. And over the last 10 years, Holly has estimated that she and her groundskeepers have seen 80 dotterels hatch on the taxiways on the country's busiest airport. The parents typically arrive between November and December, and over time, the airport has taken to work with professional wildlife biologists who have banded some of the birds in order to track their movements and their nesting behavior. So the large grassy exteriors of airports can often play host to wildlife. So why not San Francisco? (laughs) The San Francisco garter snake, which can grow to three feet in length, has skin that looks like a black canvas painted with racing stripes of bright orange and neon turquoise. I mean, how beautiful is that? I would say I don't like snakes, but 
While the snake is mostly isolated around the San Francisco Peninsula, they are thriving in numbers near the tarmac of the airport and <laughs> San Francisco's airport. A track of 160 privately owned acres has been put to work to save the beautiful reptile, including the construction of many small ponds where the snakes can keep moist, breed, and hunt for its future prey, the red log red-legged frog, which is also endangered and given sanctuary on the CFO runway lawn. Airports are remarkable things. And I remember being at Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris years ago and on the second floor on the window ledge, which is chrome and glass, there was a single dandelion growing out of that chrome, a, a little bit of dust. And it was amazing how life can live in the most unusual places. All righty. So let's go underwater here and see what's happening in the deep while pristine coral reefs have been located very, very deep and thousands of years old. So we know of the Galapagos Islands biodiversity and scientific value on land, but a recent deep water expedition has revealed that this biodiversity carries on fathoms below the bellies of the island's giant tortoises. An international expedition from the Schmidt uh, Ocean Institute has revealed the presence of two pristine cold water coral reefs growing alongside the walls and bases of several seamounts over a thousand feet below the surface. Tropical coral reefs typically grow within 120 feet of the surface, but have sometimes been found at lower depths. These, however, were cold water corals, known sometimes by their shorthand of stony corals, and were found at depths ranging from 1,200 to 1,375 feet, or 420 meters. The larger of the two reefs spans over 800 meters in length, and for all you football fans out there, the equivalent of eight football fields. That is a lot. The second, the smaller reef measures 250 meters in length, and they exhibit a rich diversity of stony coral species, suggesting that they have likely been forming and supporting marine biodiversity for thousands of years. It's a great story. Well, on that note, we're going to take a short little commercial break here. Don't leave. Don't go away. There is more good news to come here on the New Thought Media Network. We'll be right back. Help us say thank you to our organizational sponsors, including the Hefferlin Foundation, Affiliated New Thought Network, International New Thought Alliance, Science of Mind Archives and Library Foundation, 
Center for Spiritual Living Denver, Center for Spiritual Living Midtown, New Thought Philadelphia, Planned Happiness Institute, Summit Center for Spiritual Living, One Heart Retreats, Center for Spiritual Living on the Lake, Unity Spiritual Center, Kitchener, Home Center for Spiritual Living, La Mesa, Satya Center, Center for Spiritual Living, North Jersey, Unity of Savannah, and Center for Spiritual Living, Seattle, as well as all of our individual donors. Thank you for making New Thought Media Network a place to be. Please come be you. And remember, like, share, and subscribe. New Thought Media Network, positively inspiring. Watch me change when you change the way you look at things. The things you look at change. When you change the way you look at things. The things you look at change. When you change the way you look at things. The things you look at change. When you Welcome back. Well, I have a great story here. And this one sort of fits, you know, a little bit in my life as well, which is interesting because my granddaughter has this particular illness also. So a Texas mother-daughter duo give, get, uh, are given a prestigious award uh, regarding the dealing of pain with this rare disease. So this beautiful young girl, uh, was struck with uh, pancreatitis at the age of seven, and it is excruciatingly painful. And Rebecca, now 21, uh, was chosen for the award because of the work with her mom, Kristen, on their nonprofit, Rebecca's Wish. When Rebecca was 12, the Make-A-Wish Foundation granted her selfless wish, huh, to form a group to help other children dealing with pediatric pancreatitis. My granddaughter has more of an adult form because uh, she's 23, but their national organization has raised over $3 million to support families whose children have the disease to advance cutting edge medical research and to fund fellowships that train doctors to teach such patients. I wanted to start a pancreatic charity for other children so they don't suffer like I did, Rebecca said. Rebecca's wish not only gives me a way to help others, it also helps me focus on something greater than myself, and that, surprisingly, has helped my own pain. The amount of pain that they're in uh, is beyond anything that we can imagine, and it doesn't really let up. So this is remarkable what this these two women have done. Uh, the young woman has defied all the odds since doctors told the family that she wasn't expected to live past the age of 12. She's been hospitalized throughout 150 surgeries, including a life-saving experimental pancreas transplant and nearly died multiple times. 
Today, Rebecca is a biomedical engineering student at Texas A&M University, working on medical research and treatment options for the disease, which is estimated to affect three to thirteen. I, I don't know, three out of every 13 children. I don't know. Anyway, 100,000 kids. That's not very clear. <laughs> Three former presidents, Clinton, Obama, and Bush, uh, still serve as co-chairs for the Point of Light Award. And that's the award that she was given. Uh, great purpose can evolve from great adversity, says Rebecca's mom. As a mom, I would never have chosen this for my daughter, but we now get the privilege to help thousands, if not tens of thousands of children, so they don't have to walk the difficult journey that we did. I've watched my granddaughter. This, this is not a great, a great disease by any stretch of the imagination. It's very painful. All right. So let's have some good news now. Well, I mean, that is good news, but made me a little emotional. All right. So here's some ladies who got it all figured out. <laughs> they are adorable. Three friends over a hundred years old in Britain have revealed their secret to a long life, which includes keeping a boy toy nearby. <laughs> that made me laugh. So Daisy's 103, Irene 101, Phyllis 103, and they still laugh and enjoy life to the fullest every day. I think that's the recipe. Every woman has lived through their own fair share of triumph and torture, including world wars and loves lost. The three pals who all live in the same senior care home have now shared their advice on how to live for a century, including staying active and happy, treasuring family, fresh air, and nature. Daisy Taylor, turning 104 this month, said she makes the most of every day and loves having her large family around her to help her do this. We all meet and we enjoy life. I look forward to it. I live life to the full. I'm always on the go. I don't like sitting around. Hmm. Sitting in a chair is not my scene really, but it's come to that now, she said, even though the staff at Manor Lodge help keep her busy. She has two daughters, one son, 10 grandchildren, 23 great-grandchildren, and the staff in Essex says she loves activities. They say both Daisy and Phyllis are the oldest people to attend their movement to music classes and be able to participate fully. How cool is that? Yoga, dancing, cycling. I've always been into exercise classes and mixing with people is a nice thing. Daisy's husband, to whom she was married for 39 years, passed away at just 60. And now she brags that she has a boy toy in another local care home who's 96. <laughs> I love that. Irene Rankin, who has always loved being outdoors, describes herself as an easygoing soul who gets on well with mostly everything. I like to be in the fresh air alongside the seaside in nature. I remember walking for miles. The animals and the plants have always taken my fancy because they are living creatures. Irene, who worked with machines and upholstery, the same job as Daisy, has always thrown herself into her hobbies and things that make her happy, admitting there aren't many things she dislikes. Captain of her school swimming team, Irene has always loved swimming and diving, cooking and gardening. But the Doris Day fans is one of her biggest loves in life is music. The Manor Lodge st staff says the joyful lady dances all the time. 
I like to sing in my own way. Music always brings back such lovely memories, and I thoroughly enjoy it. Dancing, laughter, and joining in are things I have lived by. So here's your prescription for a great long life. Love what you do, laugh and play, and be sure to keep a little toy on the side. <laughs> so that's the yeah, that's the good news for anybody who wants to live to be a hundred or more. I love that. So here's a great guy. We're hearing a lot about homelessness, people who are unhoused, and this man decided he has a solution. And he has built these little homes. This comes from uh, sunnyskies.com, a good news place. And we're really grateful that they are willing to share their material with us. So this millionaire is building affordable tiny homes for the homeless. This is in Canada, Fredericton, New Brunswick. After successfully selling his software company for millions, Canadian entrepreneur Marcel Lebrun has embarked on a mission to address homelessness in New Brunswick. His latest project, 12 Neighbors, is a, 12, is a tiny home village providing affordable and secure housing for formerly homeless residents in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada. The founder of this groundbreaking initiative became a multi multimillionaire after selling his social media company to a tech giant. Now he's util utilizing his wealth to make a significant difference in the lives of the estimated 600 chronically homeless people in New Brunswick. This, this is something that could be done globally. These little homes could make a difference for so many people in a time when the need is beyond anything we could imagine. So bravo, Marcel. Good job. You are definitely a gift at a time when we need it most. Well, in the digital age where platforms like Tumblr and Instagram are teeming with an abundance of content, we stumble upon, stumble upon hidden gems that capture our hearts. And one is this talented poet, Raquel. Well, Raquel's poetry doesn't just touch the soul, it envelops it with a warmth that lingers long after the words have been read. Well, let me share her poem with you. She didn't title it, but the writer of this article says, maybe it should be called, How Wonderful to be Alive. I am sorry for forgetting. <laughs> what a great title. All right, so sit back and relax. Actually, life is beautiful because the sound I make while trying to breathe around hot food sounds like my dog trying to eat an apple. When I yawn, my cat tries to put his face in my mouth like a little dentist man. And when he yawns, I put my finger in his oblique carnivore trapezone and we both know he will not hurt me. When I do not fold my clothes, they do not hold it against me. I am demonstrably sad and lonely and full of fear, but there are other people who will hold my hand, who will point out the hawk overhead, who will give you that look in a public place. The other day at a coffee shop, a child said, look, it's snowing. So all of us strangers went to look out the windows. It wasn't the first snow and it won't be the last, but wasn't it lovely like that? How wonderful to live in a world where birds and frogs both say beep. 
How wonderful to have an ocean of beautiful sharks with their dinosaur teeth. How wonderful the moon and her changing face. How wonderful the bees and their dancing to communicate. How wonderful shrimp and their forbidden layers of vision. How wonderful you and what you will give the world. The way we love things enough to spend entire blogs devoted to them. How people will let me explain my Pokemon team to them. How we will both jump at the scare in a movie. How we laugh so loudly. How it feels to give someone your baking. How wonderful to be alive. I am sorry for forgetting. This is the process of getting better. With wonderful people and wonderful strangers and wonderful friends, I am getting better slowly. Thank you, whoever you are. In some way, you've been wonderful and left a wonderful place in the world to ripple out to me in some small way. Isn't it beautiful? I promise you've been helping. How sweet is that? <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. So here's a real sweet story of a stranded sheep. I know, a stranded sheep. Who knew? So this sheep spent years by itself. A sheep dubbed Britain's loneliness, loneliest has finally been rescued by five strapping farmhands after being stuck on a beach for more than two years. Fiona the sheep was first seen at the base of a cliff by a kayaker in Sutherland, Scotland. Hemmed in by sheer cliffs and the frigid uh, Cromarty Firth, there was enough fodder and water for her to survive and grow a huge fleece. For several animal rescue organizations determined the rescue was too complicated. So a group of local farmers managed to haul the beast up the cliff, cliff and through, though it went well, there was an unforeseen difficulty. Fiona was very fat. <laughs> Whatever else she was doing on that isolated uh, pebble beach, she sure, certainly spent a long time eating. <laughs> With the farmers describing her as being in incredible condition. We've come up here with some heavy equipment and we got this sheep up an incredibly steep slope. She's in great shape. It was some job lifting her up. And when it came time to shear that wool, boy, that took a little bit of work. But now she's in a very special place and life couldn't be better for sheep Fiona. And our last story for today as we're running out of time is Michelangelo and a secret room. Hmm, who knew? So the walls of a secret underground room discovered in 1975, covered in sketches by the persecuted Michelangelo, are now being unveiled to the public for the first time. The Italian Renaissance master sculptor who carved David and decorated the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel hid in the tiny chim chamber for about two months in 1530, while evading a death sentence ordered by Pope Clement VII. The Pope, who was a member of the powerful Medici family, was enraged at the artist for aiding a rebellion against their reign, the same family whose magnificent tombs Michelangelo carved in the chapel just above his hiding place. Fifty years ago, museum officials were you know, searching for a suitable place to create a new exit for tourists at the Medici Chapel, uh, where the family had adorned the family tombs with sculptures depicting the passage of time. They discovered a trap door beneath a wardrobe. 
that led to a 10-foot wide room. Stripping two layers of plaster from the walls, it revealed the existence of the drawing sketched by the maestro. Wow. Could have been lost forever. And here it is, all these remarkable photos. It's in photos, <laughs> drawings. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's Friday. It's late. It's good. The interesting thing is, as we look at history and we look at the things that happen, there's so much information that we don't have sometimes. But it's really helpful to, you know, learn new things and hear new things and know that there's hope for a better tomorrow. I invite all of you to be the peace you want to see in the world, to learn to accept your own divinity and to see that in others. And I think that's what will allow us to keep the good news coming and actually create a world that is truly magnificent. You are wonderful. I'm so grateful that you're here and I look forward to seeing you again next month when I next post the good news. Have a great weekend, everybody. You're watching the New Thought Media Network. Please be sure to like, share, and subscribe and donate. New Thought Media Network is a great place to share a little bit of your good. Have a great weekend. Bye for now. On behalf of everyone at New Thought Media Network, thank you for being a member of our virtual family. Your financial contributions help share the New Thought message with people from around the world. Please visit and contribute at www.ntmedia.org forward slash donate. New Thought Media Network, come be you. And please like, share, and subscribe. Until next time, peace and blessings.